podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi folks, thanks for joining us on this latest episode. Celtic have now got minutes at time of recording to, to pull at least one, if not two rabbits out the hat. Uh, to do away with some of the negativity around what's been a shambolic transfer window. However, there's still football to be played in Celtic travel to Pataudry on Saturday for a lunchtime kickoff against Aberdeen. So in Maine, that's what we're going to cover, but we can't not talk about some of the ongoing issues. This is Tino with the Count of the Kickoff Show, joined here by James and Paddy. James, before we get to all the other stuff, your initial thoughts ahead of that game against Aberdeen? Well, just uh, you know, I have to say, if you're, you're panicking, we've got six hours to go. Get ages. I know. So it's on let's me. all calm down. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, always one of your favourite fixtures, you know, Patodia Wayne, always tricky, no matter what. So they'll need to be at it and on it. I know, obviously, turmoil there, Robson going, which is, you know, you always feel sad for it, but the results speak for themselves. Um, but Robson was always a, a firm favourite. So I say in the weekly show, whatever happens tonight, tomorrow is day one. You know, it's the day one of winning this title. So Rogers will pull the players together, get them all motivated, let them know where they stand and what they need to do to, to get over the line. And it starts on Saturday. You say tomorrow's day one for Rogers and the players. Will Rogers be there okay? I think he'll go through the weekend anyway. Um, if he was to leave, I think he'd go through the weekend. But I think conversations will be happening next week. Yeah. Yeah, if not already. Um, Paddy, to try and stay focused for now on Aberdeen. So obviously Barry Robson lost his job just the other day. They drew one each with Dundee at Pataudry the other night. Um, and I think I think from Aberdeen's point of view, they've been they've been trying to be as patient as they possibly can with Barry Robson. He's clearly a, a well-liked guy, clearly a popular guy there. But the writing's been on the wall for a while. I think they kept him in place up to that League Cup final against Rangers to you know to give him his cup final, you know, to use that expression. But by and large, they've had a couple of decent results. They they beat Frankfurt, didn't they, uh, in the last Conference League game. They beat Hearts not that long ago. But over the piece, it's not been good enough, and it's it's little wonder that he's now gone. Um, okay, it's a shame for him. I really like Barry Robson. Um, I think that it, the writing, as you say, was on the wall. It did make sense that it was coming to, coming to an end for him. Um, and I think that fair play to Aberdeen because they did... They did persist with it. They did give him that chance. I think we're very quick to just, uh, just like cut loose um, very early in this league. Um, but Robson was given a fair crack at the whip, and uh, I think uh, he done really well for them when he got the job last year, and, and kind of steadied the steadied the ship after Jim Goodwin, uh, and and obviously what Stephen Glass had left before as well. Um, and I think that. Um, there was high hopes. Um, a diehard fan and, and like really looking to kind of just push them on to the next level. It was a it was a good appointment from them um, and a good good run in the league cup. Absolutely, but ultimately, I think what's caught them out this year is is uh, is having a squad capable of the demand um, because I think that the performances in Europe absolutely you could just tell the adrenaline was pushing the players up to another level. Um, but your bread and butter is a league, and uh, they've not been able to keep up with that. So I still think this game's actually going to be a tricky one. Um, I always feel that when you lose a manager, you've got a point to prove. Um, so it makes it a little bit harder for us, in my opinion. I think it does. I'd rather Barry Robson was still there, with all due respect, because you've now got that um, group of players trying to prove themselves to a new manager, whoever's going to come in, and they'll be, or they should be, fired up to... To bring more than they've brought for Barry Robson, I, th I think you're right though, it's a very valid point about European football because out with Celtic and Rangers, the other clubs in the country by and large aren't used to balancing group stage football, group stage European football with the domestic stuff and it seems just a stretch too far because Aberdeen's got a good squad, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having a wee look before I come on and you've got the experience of Graham Shinney, you've got Jamie McGrath, very talented player. You've got other guys, you know, Duke and Majofsky up top. You've got the guy Sockler up top. Um, Devlin at the back. Leighton Clarkson, James. There's a whole host of good bodies there. And it's just a wee bit surprising that after what was a very good start, Robson hasn't been able to get more out of this group. No, and they've had moments as well, obviously. You know, um, a couple of games in Europe did well. Frankfurt, for example. And obviously that League Cup run. So it would suggest that he's he's got something as a manager. You know, you, if you've got a 
good group of players and they're not getting a, a tune out of them, then you can point to the manager and say, well, it's just the manager. But the manager's be able to do it sometimes. So you can't just say he's not got it or he's not had it. So, yeah, maybe you know some of the fingers need to point towards the players. But end of the day, that is what it is it's as far as um, Celtic are concerned. And we've just got to be ready for what would be a fairly wounded animal coming at us. Yeah, we'll get back to Aberdeen uh, in just a moment. But I do want to focus on Celtic at this stage in the recording in terms of I'll stick with you, James. Where do you think the players' heads are at? Because they they see all the noise that we see. You know, they're, they're not sheltered from this. They're not locked away in a room. You know, all the noise and anxiety that you've got from Celtic fans on social media, particularly about, honestly, what I think is a, a deplorable window. You know, there's some different comments coming in saying not as bad as you think and all that stuff. I think it's it's been a disgusting transfer window so far. As you say, still six hours to go. But if we're feeling negative about it, intense about it, and, and concerned about what it means for the rest of the season, the players are the same. They're young guys. They're on social media. They see these messages. How do you think it might impact them uh, on Saturday's game? So you know, early kickoff, twelve thirty in Petodre, Not you know, not even forty-eight hours from now. How do you think they'll feel in approaching this? Um, any transfer window where a player's maybe under pressure for his position that closes without any changes or improvements to his position, he's got to see as an opportunity to to galvanise his spot and say, that that's mine and I'm going to make sure that chat's not here in the summer. So they should see it as a, a motivating tool. I, I questioned on the post-match on Saturday how how strong or how, the lack of strength in, in the Celtic squad's mental toughness and the, the question of mental strength rather. Because when those penalties didn't win from Palma, the fans felt it, they gave it to the uh, the stadium and the players felt it and they wilted, you know. So I don't know how many players in our squad have got the mental strength to be Celtic players. You know, you may be talking five or six guys and the others have got to acquire it and acquire it quick or it's going to be time up at Celtic. Yeah, I do think a lot of that chimes true and I do think we lack leaders, Paddy. I think there's guys that in themselves are focused individuals and committed to what they do but I think you need a bit more to play at Celtic and to succeed at Celtic and I think, you know, it's often the case when we lose one or two leaders when you lose Callum McGregor for any length of time and now when we've lost Carter Vickers again no word on that but the suggestion is he's got to be out injured for a spell. He's one of the few leaders in the team and and he won't be there. How much do you think that impacts this current side Paddy? A lot. I, I really do. I think that we uh, we've seen we've seen a lot of the performances lately, um, especially like scraping through games uh, before going up to the, the two defeats that we had uh, with Kelly and Hearts. That we were actually seeing moments of real worry with um, Joe Hart and, and and his commanding of his own area, commanding of his team. There was moments where you were you were doubting if he was um, he was. Like at a level required, and I, obviously I've still got my my um, suspicions on that. We need leaders, we really do. If we lose McGregor, it's it's, it's even harder for this team. Um, so I think that if some of these guys need to stand up, I think also our coaches need to be able to be there to help that as well. Um, the experiences within the coaching team um, for what they've won uh, over the last decade, especially. Um, there's guys there that knows what it takes. And I just think that, that that's what this whole squad should be all about. They should have that winning mentality. Um, I think that you would kind of identify those that were shirking out the challenge already by now. I really do. I think that, you know, McGregor has a big pl- uh, part to play for these guys. So I'm not too worried about that. I look at the Palmer thing. As I said, I think first and foremost, um, First and foremost, you, you you know he's taking the step to go and take the, the, the second penalty. That's that's courageous, but you need to go and score it, um, and he'll learn from that. I really do think he will. Um, but we we need to we need to rally behind these players more than anything, especially if this is the squad we're going to have for the running. Yeah, and as we know, Petodre can be one of the the tougher venues to go. You know, there won't be there's a reduced allocation these days, Paddy. You can confirm that. Um, there won't be as many fans in attendance as before, and. It's a tough game, regardless what shape Aberdeen are in. It's a game where you need to to stand up and be counted and, and show what you've got. And Paddy, I'll stay with you for now in terms of the the defensive part of the lineup. 
we may lose a couple of these bodies tonight. You know, there's a suggestion that we've, we've accepted an offer from Serie A for Burnaby. He might be off. Um, we know that Lecce have been in for Lager Bielka and the club seem to be doing a bit of a tug of war with him at this moment in time based on Carter Vickers' injury. So those two lads might not be available. I'd suggest they won't be. Uh, what do you think the back four will be? Keeping in mind Greg Taylor's also out. Yeah, um, I, I'm wondering if we move uh, if we move skills across and it's maybe Stephen Welsh um, and Navrotsky that come in uh, the centre-half positions. Um with uh, with Johnson on the right, or do we do we try Ralston at, uh, at left back? But again, talk about putting players under pressure uh, in a situation like this. Um, you know, Tony Ralston's hardly kicked the ball this season. Stephen Welsh has had a couple of injuries, and then just to go and toy with the mind of someone like Lagabelka, I just thinks deplorable management. I really do. Like, you know, hung out to dry almost by. Uh, by the team in terms of you know he's not he's not cutting it at the club. Uh, we're looking for potential suitors to come and get him already after X amount of months, and then to go and just say actually we might need you. Um, a slap in the face to the guy and his professional development. Um, albeit yeah he's contracted by us, but I just think it's very very poor management once again. Yeah yeah it seems to be the case and who knows where his head's at. He's you know he's a very young player. He's made the move to Scotland, it's not worked out and I just don't know what he'll be thinking at this moment in time. James, I think there's been a wee bit of potentially mismanagement with regard to Tony Ralston and on that basis, I mean the fact that looking ahead to Saturday, no Greg Taylor we know for sure, probably no Burnaby and it'll be A and other now at left back. You know, We, we talked for a while about the midfield lottery, didn't we? Who was going to be that third midfielder out with McGregor and O'Reilly? Now it's the left back lottery. Is it going to be Skills moving over? Is it going to be Tony Ralston playing out his natural side? Is it going to be young Mitchell Frame, who we've not seen off since the Feyenoord game? And I think there was an opportunity there at the weekend. Why not bring Tony Ralston off the bench for Burnaby against Ross County? You know, maybe kind of with a, a nod to what might have happened in the, the days that followed. Do you think there's just a just an ongoing disjointed thing going on at Celtic here? I mean, I don't think that kind of move... Burnaby for Ralston happens until the game's secure and the game is never secure until the final whistle. So it would be a wee bit of a luxury, as bad as Burnaby was. Um, are you thinking Burnaby will be gone or just not picked? Gone. I think there's a suggestion gone. he's going to Italy. Exactly. Well, I think that would be something. Um, I'll just update my team. My team sheets are all over the place. Um, I don't think he'll move skills over. I think he's shown his stubbornness um, on that one, Rogers, And, you know, he's, he's justified. If we went Welsh, Navrocki scales, which is kind of what I was leaning towards on Saturday, last Saturday party with CCB um, instead of Welsh, and Rogers didn't do it, it would mean we've got no certain halves on the bench. I really don't think Lager Belka should be on the bench or should be a Celtic player come midnight tonight. Um, it's horrendous management, and Rogers must have a hand in that. You know, that's that squad stuff, you know, live, who's my available player stuff. So Rogers must be saying, you're leaving me short. Maybe you say you're leaving me short. Get me a centre half and he can go. And the recruitment team saying, well, we're not good enough to do that. So that's not happening. And Rogers has said, well, if you can't get me someone, I need to keep him. But I'm a party entirely. Messing the boy about like that, having him, you know, ready to sign on the line for Lecce and then just you know, taking it away from him. At the end of the day, what he's seen there is, is a chance to play football and it's been yeah. taken off him. It's shocking management. Yeah, and you know, his head can't be in a space to then potentially feature no for Celtic weekend. Brendan Rodgers spoke in the last, I don't know, week to 10 days now to say that from his experience, when a player decides they want to go, generally speaking, you should let them go, you know, regardless of contract situations or whatever else. And that's whether it's a Matt O'Reilly that, that potentially wanted a move to Atletico Madrid or for different reasons, a Lager Bielka who just wants to go and play football, as you say. And I don't think it makes sense to keep anybody it's not in the right headspace. He knows he's not wanted at Celtic. So how can you possibly expect to get the best out of him as, as an individual? Um, getting back to the lineup though for Pitodre, yeah, I, I don't think we see skills making that move across. I think <laughs> he's been one of the few consistencies about Celtic's lineup this season. You've got Joe Hart in goals, you've got skills at centre half, and you've probably got Kyogo up top through the middle as your ever presence. Callum McGregor, of course, as well. So you've got that kind of spine, and I think he'd be very reluctant to change that. Um, but it does beg the question then that, that leaves us if Burnaby's not around 
it leaves us with Mitchell Frame, who's also not been seen, uh, and Tony Ralston. There is a suggestion in the comments from Gary Melrose, might be time to play three at the back. I don't think that happens either. I think you mentioned that Rodgers has got a stubbornness when it comes to Liam Scales. He's also got a stubbornness in terms of how he how he plays football. And I don't think we're going to see any shift from the 4-3-3 uh, that we usually go with. James, would you like to make a call as to who the left-back will be before we move to midfield? I thought I managed to duck that the last question around, but he came right back at me. Um, I'd like it to be frame. I'd like to see what he's got. Um, it's a bit of a baptism of fire, you know, having your first full debut away in Aberdeen. It's probably Ralston, but that just gives me all sorts of problems. I love Ralston as a player. I love his attitude, but it just stimmies us, you know, having a right-sided, right-footed left-back. It stimmies us in terms of attack. You know, it'll be be strong in the tackle. It'll be good positionally, um, but just in terms of coming out with the ball. So I would go with frame, but I think it'll probably be Ralston. I think with with Ralston as well, just... um, I, I'm pretty sure as well when he was in the, the youth setup um, and going through that there was a lot of competition in the back line and he's actually there was a, a few bad injuries in the left hand side and he was given quite a few games out at left back so he has kind of played there before but he's nowhere near um, match ready for that so um, he has a little bit of experience in the left hand side but I just I don't know if he's gonna he's gonna be tested there I'd like to see Frame as well I think why not you know natural left back would make more sense, but like you said, you know, I think it is a bit of a uh, bit of a big one for him to come into. Yeah, do you know, often when we, you know, do the, the count at the kickoff shows, you can fairly accurately predict what's going on. I've genuinely no idea. You know, there's a few possibilities, but I've really no idea. And James obviously answered it like a true politician, Paddy, just dancing around in it, rewording the question, asking me what I think, all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, between the three of us, I don't think we've managed to find any sort of answer. Paddy, I'll stay with you, Paddy, for the easy one. The midfield three stays the same, doesn't it? It does, I. I, I don't think uh, we're, we're budging that. Um, I think what we kind of need to look at for this game going forward, and I know we'll go into it a bit more, is just the transition between our defence to the mid- midfield three. I think that was uh, missing on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, it stays the same. Um, but I think the guys need to step up a bit. Yeah, I think there's no doubt. I think we all need to. And I think... Regardless of what's going on off the park, and I've spoken about the players' frame of minds, they're professional footballers. They're, they're very well paid to go and do a good job, and we need to see a response from Saturday. You know, Saturday was particularly poor for a variety of reasons, and they'll have the opportunity to put that right up at Pitodry. And I think just everybody, you know, including your best players, your, your McGregor's and otherwise, everyone needs to, to lift their levels and bring an extra whatever it is, 10, 15, 20%. Um, let's look at the, the front line, Paddy. And again, it's maybe not all that clear now. You've you've got Kyogo, who, who will be the, the starting centre forward, kind of, because he's the only one there. Um, but then in the wings, we had pretty sketchy performances from Abada uh, and Louis Palmer at the weekend. Nicholas Kuhn, a lot of excitement about him. He made his debut. Wasn't really able to show much, you know, on the day. Two wingers might not be at the club, Uh Strong suggestions that James Forrest is on the road out, and maybe we'll catch that after the Aberdeen stuff. That that was a surprise for me. And Mikey Johnson looks like he might be going to West Brom on loan. Uh, we know that Yang's obviously away with Maeda and Tilio, the other winger at the Asian Cup. And Tilio is going to Melbourne City. Whole lot of stuff going on there. Um, but Paddy, what what two wingers of the available ones we've got? Do you think get the nod? I think um, I, I think we see Kuhn come in. To be honest, I think he starts for me, um, and I think we we see uh, if if there's no movement, I think we see a bad out on the right, um, and then potentially just chop it up with Palmer, maybe coming on. Because I think, yeah, I think it's a really tough one for for Louis Palmer after Saturday, um, but also I think it's an opportunity for a new winger to come in and, and make a make a claim uh, after the performance we've seen from Palmer. Um, and hopefully gets Palmer on his toes uh, going forward because um, we can't we can't have we can't have players missing two penalties, guys. We really can't, and I think that um, it will be a lesson learned for from him. Um, just we need to work a bit harder to make sure that that position's his. Yeah. So front three for you, Paddy, Abada, Kyogo, and Kuhn on the left hand side. Yeah. Yeah, uh, James. What do you think of that? Is it something you'd be going for? I mean, I fairly much 
chuck those three in a tombola. Um, because you can drop a bad after last Saturday, you can drop Palmer after last Saturday, um, and we obviously want to see what Kuhn can do. But I think Rodgers will stick with it. I think there's a lot of kind of disruption, both in terms of the squad and enforced changes, left back for Taylor and certain half for CCV. And I think he'll want to have some consistency elsewhere. I think he's going to go a bad at Palmer again. Um, Abada's performance last Saturday was one of the worst I've seen. Um, just shoulders down, didn't want to be there. And I know everyone can maybe read too much into that, but it, it just didn't look like he was he was enjoying himself at all. I'm, I'm surprised we haven't had movement on Abada um, by now. I thought he'd have been making these moves. If he doesn't want to be there, then don't be there. Go and be happy somewhere. But with the lack of moves, then... We need to rely on him. We need to get him up to speed. We need to get him game time and get him back to doing what he can do. You know, I've been a big fan of Abada since he signed. So I think for that reason, he's going to play um, and try and get some assists and goals back in his game. And Palmer, uh, the enigma that is Palmer, I just think Rogers is going to give him the nod just to get, get him backfiring again. I think Kuhn will come on, you know, with the first available opportunity for one of them. But we're now, bizarrely, with all the wingers we've got in our squad, we've got one, for me, one winger on the bench in Kuhn. You haven't got James Forrest, you haven't got Mikey Johnson, you haven't got Yang, you haven't got Tilio, you haven't got Maida. So the squad mass management is just unbelievable. Yeah, and that's based, of course, on these guys going ahead with their, their suggested moves out of the club that, we've, yeah. that we'll, we'll catch a wee bit more than that we've touched on. Um, I, I suppose Paddy also leaves you a wee bit of lack of depth on the bench all of a sudden. It's just bizarre. It's you know James mentions the mismanagement of the squad and it's all over the place. Um, we talked about the cliche of finishing the window stronger than you started and that's certainly up for debate, or is it? It's maybe not even a debate. But it does mean that when the manager's making his decision, what can you name now? Is it Nine or ten subs, something Nine. like that. When he's naming his twenty-man pool for Petodre, he's probably going to have to throw in a couple more kids. So you know, back in uh, recent times, you've you've always had Turnbull on the bench. You've had a couple of your wingers. You've had James Forrest more often than not providing backup. Lager Belkaf needed at centre half. All these things, and now, albeit they're not the best options, but their options are all the same, and they're experienced professionals. You don't have that, so you got to Petodre. He might be able to fudge together a decent eleven, but if we pick up a couple injuries and the way Celtic's luck's going just now, that's there's every possibility of that. If we pick up a couple of knocks and he looks down the bench to see who the game changers are or, or who can, you know, shore things up, there might not be a lot of options for him. True, and I think this is, uh, you know, you would kind of hope that if we're allowing players to leave this window. Um, that you would uh, you would make sure that there's there's replacements ready to come in. Do we think that's going to happen? Probably not. Uh, I'd have been the one that um, I think is the, is going to go like over the line tonight. And I think for me that's it. Um, I keep hearing rumours they're left back, but I think we've left it again far too late. Um, the option of Kurzawa uh, um, as well. I've heard obviously Galatasaray have come in as well to look at him, but again, a very, very good player on a lot of money at Paris Saint-Germain and just had a really bad injury um, a couple of seasons ago. And I think that he would have been a bit of a, a risk in terms of like, is he going to get back to full speed with us? Is he going to want to get back to full speed? But, you know, you don't, you don't say no to a, a player at that, that level. I think he's a, a great option. Um, but again, have we just left it too late and a couple of other clubs have now come sniffing around the same market that Celtic are looking at. And I think we look at the Norwich thing with uh, Sidney Van Hoydon. I've seen a few people saying we don't know anything about him. I think finishing third as the Eredivisie goal scorer last season and getting a move to Bologna is, is making really, really good steps towards a, a, a strong career. It's not to be sniffed at as well. Um, we just seem to be slow as finger uh, to try and get the deals over the, the line and just getting picked by teams left, right and centre in the final days again. And it's just not good enough. It's not good enough. No. And it's bizarre that we just spring to life here, you know, in the last... I'm saying spring to life, that's that's probably 
doing them more credit than deserve, but they've started to try and take action in the last couple of days. And it really begs the question, what the hell have the recruitment team been doing in September and October and November and December and so far in January? It, it beggars belief that all they can come up with is Nicholas Kuhn, one winger from Rapid Vienna, and what looks to be a, a really uninspiring loan move for your man, Ida, from Norwich. Tell you what we'll do, we'll, we'll wrap up the Aberdeen chat and we'll spend maybe 10 to 15 minutes on the, the bigger picture. Um, James, in terms of Aberdeen, we've, we've touched on you know where they're at. They've lost Barry Robson. They've only had one league win in five. I think it was away to Ross County. They are eighth in the table. And for a team that you know would absolutely have designs on finishing top three, if not top four at, at worst, it's not been good enough for them. And you know we've mentioned the, the kind of wounded animal thing. They're, they're no longer with their manager. Um, do you think we'll see a response from them? And you know how do you think they'll come at it on Saturday? And also, who's taking their team? Is <laughs> their manager? Don't know. She'd normally go for like. Tony Docker or something like he's otherwise occupied. Um, could be a, could be a shout for a manager, Tony Docker in there. Maybe not long enough at Dundee, but obviously a long association with Aberdeen. Um, who's taking your team? Absolutely no idea. No no clue whatsoever. I don't Ian see Jess. who's in the... Eh? Ian Jess. Ian Jess. <laughs> Scott Booth. Still kicking the ball. <laughs> um, I, I don't know who the experienced seniors are around the club, around Aberdeen at the moment. Um as for the response we we get, if you can't thread it together with, I'd have to say Ralston would be a motivator. Ralston, Robson would be a motivator um, as a manager. And if you can't get going for him, then what are you going to be like when you're rudderless? Celtic should see this as an opportunity. It'd be tough, of course, but we should be seeing this as an opportunity to lay down a marker and have a big win on Saturday against a team that has just been so poor this season. And hopefully continues to be on Saturday. Yeah, you know, they're eighth for a reason, and Barry Robson's been sacked for a reason. It's just, you know, the, the evidence is there that they've been poor all season, more or less. Um, I'll just pin you on your scoreline prediction at this moment in time, then, James. 2 0, Celtic. 2 0. Paddy, what are you going with? Uh, 2 1. 2 1. I'd be something close to that. I'm going to agree with Paddy. I think it'll be Celtic aren't. Expressing himself at this moment in time, you know, they're not playing in a, in a free flowing kind of manner, but I think we should have enough on the day. Listen, if you don't have enough against Aberdeen, you can call it a day, you can forget the title. So we need to go and win there. They should be focused enough to do so. Uh, and let's hope they, they get the three points, regardless what the scoreline is. I'm going to bring up a question um, that Brian Harkins put in just while we we're chatting. So Brian says, A genuine question is this board setting up Brendan Rogers to fail because Dermot Desmond brought back Brendan Rogers over the heads of the board? Um, what do you think of that, first of all, Paddy? I would argue that, that Brian's right. They're certainly not giving him the tools to succeed, are they? Again, I think we just shoot ourselves in the foot. Uh, they're, they're not letting a lot of information out in terms of what, what deals have uh, tried to go over the line. And, and I just think, for me, no, you can't run a football club like that. Um, I don't think that that's the case, Brian. Um, I, I see where you're coming from. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Rogers was to come out and I tell all down the line and say something of that of that ilk, but I, I would hope, I would like to believe that that's not the case at all. Um, there's too much at stake to toy about with your football club, but too much at stake. But then we do look at the state of our window uh, in January. Um, yeah, I, I would say no on that. Yeah, James, I wouldn't say you know specifically they've the club have set Rogers up to fail, but it comes down to the fact that you've got this absentee landlord situation in the shape of Dermot Desmond. He's calling the shots. I think as we speak, he's on the golf course. There's a pro-am tournament somewhere in, I don't know, where, Dubai or something, and he's he's having a lovely time teeing off. Whereas his club, yeah, his plaything, his club are scrambling about, you know, looking for last-minute deals and just looking as disjointed as we have for some time. So I don't think the, the aim from Dermot Desmond, you know, and, and folk that advise him is to set Rogers up for failure. But what you've got, James, is a situation where Rogers is Desmond's guy, Lawwell is also Desmond's guy, and the two of them, let's, let's not head on. It's pretty clear from the, the first time around when Rogers exited, the two guys don't get on. And I don't think anything dramatic's happened in the years that, that have passed to, to suggest that they're now best buddies. I think that frostiness still exists. It, it was maybe okay for a time back in the summer when Rogers came back in. Sure, him and Peter had a couple of coffees and it was all good. 
But then people just revert to type. Rogers will go back to being who he is as a football guy. You know, Peter Lowell go back goes back to being who he is as a business guy and Celtic's hands off uh, non-exec director. And I just think, so yeah, the question, you know, set up to fail, not quite as dramatic as that as such, but you can see why the the signs of not not quite failure yet, but certainly the, the division seems to be seeping in. I think Brian's called it spot on. I think that's exactly what's happening. Um, Dermot Desmond wanted Rogers. The Lawless wanted Maresca. Dermot Desmond wins that argument. But then Desmond helicopters away and doesn't implement any procedures that here's what you need to deliver for this guy because I promised him that to get him to come to the club. He's just left it for... Unfortunately, it's Michael Nicholson's carrying the can, but Mark Lawl carrying the can in recruitment. Um, and the nepotism, obviously, at Celtic creates that that channel back to Law. Now, I know Lowell's not an exec at Celtic these days, but he is highly influential in every single department. So he can have soft power at Celtic that has big, big effects, and that impacts on Brendan Rodgers' ability to do his job. Um, it doesn't change as long as Desmond's the owner. Uh, to the point where I'm not renewing my season ticket until there's serious, professional, grown-up adults running Celtic, whether that's under Desmond or another. Uh, I'd recommend any Celtic fan to take a year out and see where we are the year after that. Yeah, do you know, as dramatic as it sounds, I've, I've seen and heard some other people calling for action because it's the only way Celtic will sit up and take notice. You know, it's the kind of, it's the hit them in the pocket type approach. So <laughs> I'm not advocating getting up with the pitchforks or anything like that, but don't buy the merchandise, don't buy the season ticket, don't buy the three-match packages, all those kind of things. And if that starts to hit dramatically, then the shareholders have got a responsibility to then ask a question, you know, of the of the board and say, what's going on here? And something needs to change. And, you know, it kind of harks back to the title of this, this week's podcast episode. You know, if nothing changes, then nothing changes. If we keep doing the same things, we'll keep getting the same results, which is generally speaking, uninspiring signings and early exits in Europe. And that's the bottom line. And that's not to become entitled or complacent because I'm sure someone will remind us that Celtic have won, what is it, 12 league titles out of 13, something like that. Absolutely credit where it's due for that. But Celtic, in their position of strength, should be winning, you know, nine times out of 10, 12 times out of 13 the league title. But we're not seeing progress. And that's a frustrating thing. You know, as a supporter, you can generally ride the ups and downs of football so long as over the piece you're, you're going up the way you're seeing a wee bit more progress in Europe, you're bringing youth players through, there's exciting things happening on and off the park. And we're not seeing that, James, and I think that's where all this frustration's coming out. You know, you're hearing the booze at the end of the game there at the weekend, and I think there's frustration for so many reasons among the supporters. Yeah, and, and we're not entitled to win every game, we're not entitled to, you know, win every tournament we enter, um, we know that, but we are entitled that everyone at Celtic should be doing their absolute best, and people in the positions at Celtic should be the best within our class, within our part in the football um, world kind of thing. And it's not. It's miles away. And you're paying directors wild money. You're, you're paying them EPL money to turn in performances like they're turning in. If our footballers have been long gone. So the frustration is palpable. It is not isolated. It is throughout the fan base. I'd say you're looking at about, of who I speak to, about 80-20, 80% of people are pissed off and 20% of people are saying, okay, it'll be fine and, and all that stuff. And obviously, I hope it'll be fine, I hope we can get through this season. But they've got my money for this season and they're not getting it next year and they won't be getting it until they get their act together. Yeah. Paddy, what's your own thoughts on that? You know, James is saying 80-20. What do you think? Um, I'd probably go more 90-10, to be honest. I, I, I totally see where you're coming from, James. I really do. I, I think, though, like, I think it's quite a, a statement to turn around and say that this board are setting our, our manager up to fail. I, I, I just, I can't, I can't go with that at all. I think we've set ourselves up to fail in terms of the, the recruitment that we do have in place. It's people that are not <laughs> up to the job. They're not up to the level required. And I think back to Matt Lowell coming in and actually looking at, you know, the signings we made under Ange, you know, the success rate just disappeared. The success rate that we've seen from the early signings under Ange Postecoglou disappeared under under this guy's leadership. So I think it's quite a bold statement for us to turn around and say that they're setting up a manager to fail. 
Maybe they're doing it without realising they're doing it. I'd say that that's more likely to be the case. I don't think we run a football club that way, as bad as this is at the moment. Um, and it's definitely something that we, we do need to address. Stuff will need to be brought up, um, especially winning the league or not this year for me. Um, are, they, are they expecting protests at Celtic Park this, this week? I wouldn't be surprised if not. That's where they've put us uh, at this point just now. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's blown up the shark as we speak. Maybe hmm. so. Um, James, you're saying 80-20, Paddy, saying potentially closer to 90-10, i.e. 90% of fans unhappy, 10% okay with things. I think all of us, through you know, through what we do here at the Celtic Exchange, we speak to a lot of fans, whether it's our own mates or folks in comments or, or you know, Twitter engagement. I'm not speaking to anybody that's happy the way things are going. I, I, I've not had anybody saying, listen, take it easy, the squad's okay, we'll still be fine. Everybody I speak to is is hitting the roof and, and really stressed out. There's a lot of stressed folk in the, the comments, and I understand that because I think it's just a reflection on how we feel. You know, there's, yes, the, the, the facts of the matter are right now we're five points clear and potentially two points if Rangers win their game in hand. But that's not good enough, particularly when you look at the fact that two or three months ago we were coasting. But even if you just take that separate part of things aside, I've mentioned all these areas that just aren't good at the club. You know, there seems unrest, there's players... Lagerbelk, I'm thinking, potentially getting mistreated. It looks like Marco Tello has gone back to Melbourne and saying that um, he didn't, I think the quote from his coach is saying he didn't have fun at Celtic. Now, I'm not sure how much you want to read into the lines there, but there's guys that aren't happy from a playing point of view. And that happens when you mismanage the squad, James, when you've got, I don't know what it was, 32-man squad, some guys featuring, some guys not, but a lot of unhappy people at Lennox Town. As I say, we're out of Europe again at the first possible opportunity. We're not bringing through youth. And even the youth that we bring through, Rocco Vata, he's greeting about something else and thinking he's better than he is. And there's very little, you know, from the outside looking in, there's very little that's going well at this moment in time. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a generally a very positive person. And that's it's quite frustrating um, that you can't really see any, you know, green shoots anywhere because nothing changes. You know, your, your title was spot on on Monday. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And, and they're not changing. Um, but the only thing I'd say earlier on in, that I think is deliberate, they've done it before. They've done it to Rogers first time round. And my opinion was it was mostly Rogers, maybe a bit of lol. That maybe changed to mostly lol, bit of Rogers. I think it's almost entirely lol now. You can see how they operate. They don't need to be, you know, in your face. They just need to be looking like they're not performing. And they're certainly looking like they're not performing. So I don't know. My best hope, really, from this point until the end of May is that Rogers stays, galvanises the squad, gets us over the line, and we have a complete overhaul in the summer and we, and we start to put in professional structures. You know, Strachan did a review on, on Celtic, I think it was just the youth side of things. Whatever happened to that? Because it's the exact same process, the exact same managers, the exact same lack of players coming through. So did, they, did Strachan do a really good report, actually? And they went... That's going to cost money or that's going to make us look bad. We'll just say nothing about that and do nothing about that, which is worse. Yeah. Um, you'll see various comments coming in. What I'd say is we're kind of getting towards the last kind of section of the, the recording here. We'll probably go for about five minutes more. If anyone wants to ask a specific question, uh, please do so. We'd love to address it and, and try and catch that before we finish up. Yeah, I'll just give a wee roundup while, while that's happening of the latest kind of rumours and suggestions transfer-wise, and it's mostly exits from the club. So... You'll have seen the headline, I'm sure, that it looks like David Turnbull's going to Cardiff City for around about £2 million, which I think it makes sense for all concerned. So we wish him well, but it's, it's not working out for David Turnbull at Celtic. But the surprising element is that James Forrest might join him. Now, I think he signed a pretty decent uh, extended contract not long ago. Uh, Paddy, you might have more memory than me on that. Say again? A year and a half ago, three years ago, she's halfway through it. And I just wonder who matches that, but maybe James Forrest just wants to play. He's 32. He knows his best days are behind him and he wants to play football. And if so, I can understand that. He's, he barely features and he might go out, but it, it would be a bit of a surprise. Uh, Mikey Johnson at West Brom on loan. I think that just seems to be the way it's going with Mikey. Marco Tillio, we've mentioned, he's confirmed his back at Melbourne City for the rest of the season. Lager Bielka to Lecce. Apparently the deal is still live, but questions whether that will happen before half 11 tonight. Um, Adam Ida, we've seen all the chat. We know he's in Glasgow. He arrived last night, and I think I think he's probably signed already. 
and it's just a timing thing from Celtic. How can we possibly announce this without everyone going nuts? How, how can we how can we almost leak this out without it creating a, a you know a fuss online and, and a drama? Uh, they, they want to do it with at least one or maybe two other players beside them, and then it absorbs it a wee bit. Which is, you know, I really hope the boy comes in and does well. Of course, anyone that signs for Celtic, I always hope that, you know, he's not had uh, a CV that says he's, he's going to blow the place away. But, you know, you never know. But that's how poor that signing is in terms of the calibre. I, I mean nothing against the boy, just in terms of the calibre where he's coming from, that Celtic aren't proud enough of it to make a, a noise about it. They're hoping to get two, one or two others beside him and then it's three signing, signing deadline day, all that stuff. It is so, so bad. Paddy, it's terrible. It's got to the point where even when you are making signs, you're almost embarrassed to put them out, as James says there. And that's a hell of a place to be, isn't it? How has it got to this? Um, we've discussed it. It's poor management. It's scraping the barrel in the, the final hours, the final uh, three days. I think that's where we've seen our most rumours pop up. And it's we're looking at, we're trying to speak to this team, we're trying to speak to that team. Um, is it a sign of where we're at as a club that we, we need to wait till the bigger teams have effectively done their business? Possibly. Is it is it manageable still? Is it something that we can you know get get things in place before that comes to that point? I think so. I, I, I generally believe that we, we get our players scouted, we get the ones that we think are going to make a difference to this team. We sound it out, we sound the deal out, we, we make them aware, like, listen, we know that Bigger, bigger uh, clubs might come in for you and um, playing in a, a, a better league, um, but the deal is here, um, and I just don't think there's any of that for Celtic. I think it's like right, who's available? Somebody let us know. Put out, put out a call. Anyone well, know any agents? I'm surprised when we contacted Dudu Dahan. I really am, honest to God. It's it's pathetic. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But again, we've we've used these terms, but. When you're out scouting and recruiting, you must be player-led. Find the best player, the guy that meets the criteria in terms of ability, position, wages, age, all that stuff. Don't find the agent and say, how's it going, Dudu Dahan, Carl Starfelt's agent? Any players kicking around? We just cannot be taking that approach. And that's that's amateur. You know, we're meant to be a Champions League club. We're a, a multi-million pound turnover business and we're just doing things in a, a haphazard fashion. James... There's a good question that's come in from Mazar. Uh, Mazar's a good friend of the show, and we'll finish on that. Before we do so, there's a fella called Martin in the comments, and Martin has been grating his eyes out for 40-odd minutes. Everything, Martin, you're killing is negative. You are talking this, you are talking that. But Martin says, are you really going to give up your season ticket? Are you a man of your word? He thinks you're talking nonsense, James. So what does it take for you to give up your ticket this time round? What do you think, Jake? I'll do it, yes or no? One hundred percent. I'll yeah. tell you, Martin. He will give it up if things don't improve. That's um, your answer, think, Martin. The I boys in Martin... know that I'll do it. No problem at all. Um, I just think I, I'm not turning up for that next year, and I'm not turning up at all until things change, regime change, or exec change, boardroom change, whatever it may be. Anything that brings professionalism to Celtic. So, yeah, Martin. There's your answer. I'll not be here next season as long as things stay the same. Still in the podcast yeah. though. I think Martin wants your ticket, but he says, uh, just to follow up, on here you said you'll give up your season ticket. Are you going to keep your word? Why aren't you answering that point? Here it is, Martin. We're answering the point. Please stop greeting, though. Your negativity is killing us. Uh, so just to go to Mazar's question, James, I'll find it uh, as we get to it. But basically, um, it's along the lines of, of Brendan Rodgers. It's the concern that he might walk again. Now, you can certainly debate Brendan Rodgers walking first time around and whether it was right or wrong, and I think we all agree it was wrong. But you could also see, you know, based on what we know now, there's reasons why that he's walked last time around and, and it could happen again. So to quote Mazzari, he says, are you guys worried about Rodgers leaving during the season at any stage if a job in the EPL comes up rather than waiting until the summer? From my point of view, just to answer that quickly, I think he might walk whether it's to go to another job or not. Brendan Rodgers doesn't need this. Brendan Rodgers is a very wealthy man, picked up big dot Liverpool, Big money at Leicester, decent money, very decent money at Celtic first time around as well. He fully intended to take a year out of the game. That was absolutely the plan. Dermot got on the blower and has somehow convinced him, and I'd love to hear what that was, because he's clearly sold Brendan Rodgers on a vision. I know you're looking to take time out, Brendan. Here's everything we're planning and why we want you to be a part of it. Whatever that has been, whatever promises have been made, 
it looks very evident, James, that they're not coming to fruition. So I'll come to you first and then Paddy to wrap things up. Do you can do you have a concern that Rogers might walk, whether there's a job to go to or not, before the season's end? No, I, I don't think that think that's the agitating factor, you know, someone coming to take him away. Um I think he'll probably go next week or in the summer. I don't think he'll go in between because there's nothing going to change in between unless they have, you know, the relationship with the with the upper management and board just dissolves. Um, but they should be professional enough to get that across the line to, to me. So, no, I don't see that. But, yeah, I'm exactly with you. He's sitting on the beach having a great time and Desmond comes and annoys him and says, you know, it's going to be great. We're going to do all these things. And then he leaves that to the little people to to organise, and they don't they don't follow through on it. So it's 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 not because someone's going to take him; it's because he's, he's just had enough. The 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 issue will be really when, and I think it's when I think Rogers goes, even if we win the league. But when Rogers goes, he would be resigning, not being fired. So obviously compensation and all that stuff in your contract. He'll just say, no problem at all. Don't get my compensation. I'll see what money I can make out of my book and it'll be some book. Yeah, maybe so. Um, Paddy, your own take on that. As James says, Brendan was potentially off to sip pina coladas on the beach somewhere and somehow get drawn back into this project. Uh, a lot of folk have questioned it from day one. Why is he returning? What's the motivator? All that kind of stuff. I was behind it. I think he's a talented coach, but it's clear that several things aren't right at this moment in time. Do you fear that he'll walk before the end of the season? No. Don't no? Think he will. No, I think he goes and wins the league. I do. Um, I think that, you know, he's um, he's an egomaniac. And I think that, you know, we've seen what happened um, when he didn't get his way the first time round. We still produced a really, really strong season. And it was more just that if you're comfortable with that, that window, that Ollie Burke window, that Tim, Timo Weir window, and uh, that's what you're giving me. He says, I'm leaving your strong enough team to go and win, win a treble again, which it did. But he left because he wanted to and he felt that he had to. Um, did I agree with it? Absolutely not. But for me, he's someone that will, will leave when it's time to leave. And actually, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would go and win the league and then just say, right, I'm away at the end of the season. Um, he's, he's said stuff to Celtic fans along the lines of he wants to, to, to progress more in Europe. I don't think better than the Champions League campaign for last season is better than us in Europe. I think he he's a man that will, will really, really just try and look to see everything that he can do. Is he up against it? It looks like it a little bit, but we're hoping, we're hoping and, and we need to just have a bit of belief that the, the board are putting things in place. I think we're starting to see some of the deadwood getting moved on this window. Is that forward thinking planning? Time will tell, but I don't think Rogers leaves. For this, uh, for this yeah. season, I actually think all options could be on the table. I think he could see out his three-year deal. He could walk tomorrow. He could walk at the end of the season by winning the league or by losing the league or anything else in between. I really do. I think there's just so much going on just now behind the scenes, and without none of us will ever be privy to the conversations between Rogers and the Lawwells, or Rogers and Dermot Desmond, or Michael Nicholson. We've not mentioned a lot, by the way, and I, I'd like to maybe see a bit more of Michael Nicholson at this moment in time. But, you know, there's there's all sorts going on behind the scenes. But what you're seeing now is Brendan Rodgers starting to get a bit, a bit ratty, maybe, in his post, post-match post press conferences. I, I, I don't know if I can't wait, it's the right term, but I'm intrigued as to what Brendan Rodgers is going to come out with tomorrow. He'll be speaking to press ahead of the visit to Pataudry, and it could be very revealing, because you cannot tell me, unless, as I say, Celtic pull rabbits out the hat here, you cannot tell me he's going to be pleased with Adam Ida and Nicholas Kuhn as two of the four quality players he's mentioned. He cannot, he just cannot possibly be pleased with what's getting served up on him. So, listen, we, we could go on all night and there's lots to cover. What we will be doing, I've mentioned before, I'm doing a transfer special tomorrow, half past 12, with Anthony Joseph, Sky Sports News. Hopefully there's some, <laughs> some incomings to talk about. But even if there's not, there's so much going on in terms of, you know, players in, players out. Moves that Celtic have tried to make and failed, guys that are unhappy, and all the detail and what's happened behind the scenes at the transfer window. So, probably not the the cheeriest of recordings, but it'll be an interesting one with Anthony tomorrow at half twelve. But as we wrap this one up, James, I'll come to you first. Your final thoughts. Remember, we've got a game at Aberdeen that we were meant to be talking about. So, your final thoughts ahead of the trip to Petodre and just your general feeling at the moment. Back the team, sack the board. 
That's it. The teams sack the board. But you know we can't sack the board there. Eh? That's an unrealistic ambition. They're not feeling <laughs> Yeah. Um, back at team sack the board. Paddy, your own final comments ahead of this one. I I, I think uh, no matter how, where we come out for this uh, from this transfer window, we know it's been a bit of a shambles. I think even if you go and sign two or three players in the final day, um, you know, it, it, it's still been a really, really poor window from us, no matter the calibre of what we bring in. Um, I'll support the team up to the very end, always, uh, and I think that we'll get behind them. Um, I think tomorrow, no matter what the pressure is, I think it will be a bit of a rallying call from Rogers in terms of getting the fans on on side. I think he, I think he needs that. I think the team needs that. Um, and we'll see how they kick on. We're supporters. We need to kind of push ahead. Those that are sitting at the top will get a message sent to them. Absolutely. I think the fans won't sit on this. I think the fans will will protest. Um, in my opinion. And I think rightly so. I just think it's been uh, it's been poor mismanagement. I think of maybe three successful transfer windows in the last the last ten years. You know, like ones that we've been really really sure about and brought in quality. And uh, I just think that is that is disgraceful. Um, and yeah, things need to change there, one hundred percent. Yeah, Paddy, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Uh, thanks, of course, to everyone that's joined us here tonight, particularly those who have joined in the comments. Even Martin, I understand Martin's frustration and you know there's a lot going on among Celtic supporters, so we really appreciate all the contributions there. Thanks to if you've been listening in podcast format. As I say, we've got a couple of podcasts coming up, so tomorrow afternoon we'll have that episode between myself and Anthony Joseph of Sky Sports News. And then shortly after the game on Saturday night, we'll do another live to catch all the post-match reaction from Pataudry. So in the meantime, for myself, James and Paddy, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll see you again very soon. Podcast Network.